today we are going into uh, the relationship series, and as we start off, it has been important and will be important that we focus on marriages, healthy marriages. Uh, how many know having a healthy marriage is not easy? Uh, having healthy relationships is not easy. Uh, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes hard work. It takes commitment. It's one of the reasons we're having our Stronger Marriage Conference this Saturday night at 6 o'clock. It's our Stronger Marriage Night. Um, and we're going we're gonna to equip you with tools to have a healthy marriage. Not only that, you're going to walk out with a vision for your marriage because you become that which you behold. Some of you are trying to have a healthy marriage, but you don't have a vision for your marriage. What would healthy look like for you? And so you come this Saturday night, and I'm telling you, you're going you're to walk out with tools, and you're going to walk out with a vision for your marriage, and we're going to have a date night. So it's going to be a lot of fun uh, as we come together. It's, it's $99 for a couple. You need to get registered now if you plan to attend. But it's going to be amazing. Why? Because we are focused on what? Fighting for our families. And to start that off, we, we fight for our marriage. Now, relationships are complicated. If you've ever been in a relationship, you already know that. Uh, how many know that men and women think differently? Men and women act differently. Uh, they communicate differently. Reminds me of a story that I heard of a man that was walking on the beach, and God said, you've been so faithful, I'm going to grant you one wish. He was excited. He said, you know, God, that's, that's amazing. I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I'm afraid to fly. So my wish is that you would build me a bridge across the ocean to Hawaii. God said, son, listen, that's totally impossible. I think you know the logistics of that and what it would take for me to do that. Just can't do it. Uh, give me another wish. What's another wish? And he said, well, God, you know, I've been married for four times and all my ex-wives say I'm very insensitive. And so my wish is that I would be able to understand a woman. I want to know why she thinks the way she thinks. I want to know why she feels the way she feels. There was a long pause, and God said, do you want two lanes or four lanes on that bridge? <laughs> <laughs> women are complicated. But how do you know women are amazing? Men can be frustrating. But how do you know men are amazing? And we're different. We're unique. God made us wonderful in our own way. But you need to know that marriage is a part of God's plan. And look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 5 through 6. Matthew chapter 19, verse 5 through 6. Uh, here we see Jesus talking, and he's actually responding to Pharisees who have asked him, is it okay that we divorce? Can a man divorce his wife? I'm not going to get into that topic. I want to get into the words that Jesus brought the Pharisees back to. So Jesus answers, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning, so God created them from the beginning, made them male and female? So God made them male, and I want, to, I want to just male and female. God is not confused. He made them male and female. 
And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. Now, it's fascinating here because we're going to talk about dating through this series and relationships, but there's no mention of dating in the Bible. You go and look it up. You're not going to find, go Google dating in the Bible. Or do, it's, it's not found. What we see here is a man leaves his father and his mother, and he cleaves to, he holds fast to his wife. And, and it's fascinating because arranged marriages is how it was done back then. You didn't marry because of love. Oh, my God, it was love at first sight. Be careful. Beauty is fleeting, but character stands. And so we find this, it's the, the, so it didn't say I found the person who was my soulmate and somehow connected, and I'm not knocking any of that. In fact, Phyllis and I, when we started dating, we were 14, 15, I met her at youth camp, and I was smitten at youth camp at Birchfield's Discovery Camp. Anybody ever been to Birch? Oh, yeah, I found Jesus and Phyllis. That's a long story. That's another sermon. I found it fascinating. There's, there's a couple here that's from India, um, and they've become dear friends of mine and Phyllis, and they have an arranged marriage. And in America, that's very uncommon. Like, we want the right to choose. We want the freedom to choose. It was very fascinating how their relationship came together. They've got a great marriage. They've got a great family. And I thought, wow, how successful or arranged marriages. I did a study. Do you know that in America, divorce happens at about a 50% rate in church, outside of church? And someone says, well, that's what it's been. Yeah, but the, the challenge with that is now people have given up on the idea of marriage and it's still 50%. So in other words, they cohabitate, they don't get married, and it's still 50%. That's horrible. That means it's actually worse and they've given up on this idea. But do you know that arranged marriages fail and get divorced, only 4% of arranged marriages end in divorce, 4%. It's just fascinating. Maybe, maybe we ought to be arranging some stuff up in here. <laughs> Look, it says, and the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Now today I want to talk about going back to the basics. Back to the basics, back to the basics. If you're taking notes, write this down. Marriage is God's idea. So it's his plan from the beginning. Jesus is literally quoting from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, and it's the story of what he is quoting. So he's going back to the beginning. They ask him a question about marriage, and he's going back to the beginning. What's he identifying? He's saying, listen, this is God's plan. And so let me go back and give you God's answer. See, if you didn't create it, you can't change it. I mean, you don't have to participate in it, but you don't get the option to change the original plan and design if you're going to do it the way the designer created it. And so we see he's talking about two people, what, becoming one flesh, that they're united in covenant. That's, that's where we see join, cleave together. It's covenant. It's not a contract. See, contracts can be canceled if a participant fails to deliver. Wow. You know, I'm in business. I got businesses on the side. I mean, somebody doesn't deliver. It's, hey, there's no emotion. You just didn't deliver. I canceled the contract. A marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. 
And it says, you deliver, don't deliver, I'm still going to do my part. And if you think marriage is 50-50, you've already been defeated. Marriage is 100%, 100%. It's like you're never going to feel like the other person is working as hard as you, and that's because you judge them by their behavior, and you judge yourself by your intentions. Well, I'm trying, well, so are they. I'm working, well, so are they. And if you'll go into it with a contract mentality, you'll stop the contract when you feel like they're not doing what they should do for you. But the covenant says, I'm all in. I'm in this for life. Now, I also recognize there's moments where there's abuse in situations. I'm not talking, I'm talking about the general sense of marriage that this is a, I do for the rest of my life. I'm not in a contract with you. I'm in a covenant and I choose you. Now, marriage, marriage. Marriage is meant to model and display God's glory to all of creation. Think about this. He made male and female in his image, the image of God. So imagine two people who act differently, think, think differently, and their whole life is different, yet they're both the image of God. They're image bearers. You're an image bearer. And so when those two things that are really opposites come together in unity, which otherwise seems impossible, God is glorified because he is wholly displayed to the world. Imagine that. And I know I, I often think about, I'll read stuff and they got divorced for irreconcilable differences. Duh. Because a man and a woman got together, you're absolutely right. They don't think like us. They don't act like us. Like, in fact, my, my, my counselor, Randy Powell, told us something that was fascinating. 69% of arguments are never, in a healthy marriage, in a healthy marriage, 69% of arguments are never reconciled. It's not whether or not you get in an argument. It's not whether or not you're compatible. It's a speed of recovery. Do I live disconnected for a day, two days, five days, 10 days, 20 days? See, it's not whether or not we're going to agree. You're never going to always agree with your spouse, but I choose as an image bearer of God to forgive, to give grace, to give mercy, to cover, to support, to love. And then when the world sees a marriage that's healthy, you know what they see? They see the very image of God. Isn't that powerful? No wonder the devil has gone to the very core of marriages to destroy marriages because if a marriage is healthy inside of a church, the world says, wow, that must be what God looks like. And he hates God. And he hates you and I. We're image bearers of God. And so think about why culture's trying to redefine it. Well, because they're serving the God of this world. Again, you cannot redefine something you did not create. You don't have to participate in it. You don't have to believe in it. But you can't redefine it. Think about what he's doing as well. He's trying to destroy marriages. Well, that's how divorce happens. That's how come affairs happen. That's how come pornography has infiltrated into society as mainstream. Why? Because there is an assignment of the enemy to destroy your marriage because your marriage reflects the very image of God Almighty. 
Doesn't it start to make sense? Remember, we as Christians, and I'm, I'm not talking to someone who is not a follower of Jesus, but as believers, you came to the house of God to hear the word of God and get the truth of God to live your life the way God designed. But doesn't it make sense why the enemy would try to devalue marriage? See, I come to church, hear the word, but I don't have to agree. Yeah, you don't have to agree. You don't even have to live it out. But don't expect the blessing of one who does to come upon your life because you don't, all because we show up and wear a label of Christianity. God blesses what is done in order. And think about this devalue, devalue. Well, you know, we just, we just live together. And I just, let me, let me just say this real gently. Here, if you're living together, there's no judgment, no shame, no, nobody cares. I'm glad you're here. But here's what I need you to know. You'll never have the blessing of God in your relationship until you do it the way God has designed for you to do it. So the most, most frustrating part could be coming to a place where you're loved and people are around you and you're trying to make this thing work, but you're not doing it the way God says. And then someone doesn't tell you the truth. And just know there's no judgment, but the blessing of God comes on covenant. And he's out to destroy families. Why? Because he wants to destroy society. He wants to destroy the church. And I'm so excited. Next month, we're, we're doing relationships this month. Next month, we're, we're going to be sharing about fighting for families. Why? Because we get the foundation of a marriage right, then we can fight for our families. So think about it. Marriage is God's idea. But as great as a marriage is, I want you to write this down. Marriage doesn't change you. It only amplifies the way it finds you. Let me say it like this. If you had issues before you were married, you'll have issues after you're married. Let me say it again. I want you to write it down. Put it up on the screen for me, please. Marriage doesn't change you. It only amplifies the way it finds you. See, because you can say, well, when I get married, I'll be more disciplined. And... I'll wash dishes, I'll do clothes, I'll do laundry, and I'm not talking male or female, I'm just talking in general, I'll, I'll figure it out, eh. I'll stop looking at porn when I get married, because when I get married, I'm going to have all the sex I want. Thank you. Because see, what the enemy will do is he'll deceive you and say, well, you can stop looking at porn because when you get married, it's going to be amazing. It's awesome. No, 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 no. It's going to amplify the way it finds you. You'll be more angry, more frustrated, more disillusioned because somebody didn't stand up and tell you the truth. Your unresolved pain doesn't just go away. Your issues don't just go away. Listen to me. Your issues have to be healed. Unresolved pain and issues, they are simply amplified in the relationship that you're now in. So, so let me say it like this. If you feel rejected now and you carry a spirit of rejection now, this person that has deeply connected with you before you get married, it's awesome, it's amazing, but now once you get married, you will still carry that spirit of rejection 
And it'll be deeper in the wound because now the one that said I do is rejecting you or so you perceive. And now there's even deeper pain because they have let you down. It's not because they let you down. It's because you have, you thought that person would heal your pain. Struggle with anger before? Well, I'm not angry at them. I'm angry at the world, not my spouse. Just give it a moment. Give it a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years. That anger will come back out. Why? Because it's unresolved pain from the past. And just think about it. It's the tactic of the enemy, the devil himself. Why? The devil wants us to experience pain. He wants trauma from the past to be unresolved. He wants you to blame it on everybody else. It's them. But can I tell you, nobody can make you angry. Nobody can make you feel rejected. Nobody can trigger you. When you're healthy and you're whole, someone can do something that would feel like rejection, but as a secure person, you're like, but I am loved by God, and I'm going to project and give the best. I'm going to assume that wasn't your intent. I know it might have made me feel that way, but I'm healed and whole, and I want you to know, and we work through it together. Why? Because it's not two halves make a whole. It's two wholes come together and are joined. Struggle with selfishness before you're married and you don't deal with the root of it, you're going to suffer and struggle. This is what makes relationships very complicated because the very thing you think you're going to get is the very thing you don't. Now, here's what I will tell you. Relationships were not designed by God to be complicated. You just have to have relationships in the right order. Write this down. God is my first. My spouse is my second. It's the right order. And we see this sequence of events in the garden. We're going to go back to the beginning. Adam, when he was created in the image of God, he had a relationship with God. And then out of that relationship with God, then God brought Eve to be a helpmate for Adam. But what we failed to realize is that if God is not first, then you'll never be complete or satisfied. And so you could put a person there, but they'll never replace God. And when you look at who Adam was and the series of events that got him to the place where God created Eve to be a helpmate, what you'll look at is this. Adam was in the presence of God Yielded to the will of God, doing the work of God. In fact, if you're single, I would probably write that down. Adam was in the presence of God, yielded to the will of God, doing the work of God. And then God says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, look at what the Lord says. And then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who was just right for him. So think about it. You're looking, yeah, come on, you're single and you're ready to mingle. What do you do? I'm going to focus on the presence of God. I'm going to focus doing the will of God. I'm going to yield to God whatever you want to do and I'm going to do the work of God. And then when you're ready, now your helper can come. 
Because you got to get the priority right. You got to say, God, you're first, you're not second. In fact, when you get this right, this is the foundation of a healthy marriage. God created Eve to complement Adam. And what we know is that the spouse you married, the person you've decided to spend the rest of your life with, they're not a substitute relationship. And many times we've been praying for that spouse and we need God, we're seeking God, but the moment that spouse comes, I mean, no, it's like, God, I love you, but. I know I see it all the time. Why? Because they get married and you don't see them in the church for about a year. Why? What happened is because now they've been focused on each other, they got problems. And they come back, they're like, God, we want to put you first. Why? Because a relationship will never work if it's out of order. God first, spouse second. Your spouse is supposed to be a complementary relationship, a helpmate. And we're not to substitute them for God. And they'll never, let me just say it like this, and, and dating, if you're dating, you got to just hear me. The person you're looking for, or maybe you're single, you're like, man, God, when I get that person, I'm going to feel joy, I'm going to feel love and accepted and happiness. Because isn't that what the, sh the movie shows? Like, get that person, and you're going you're gonna to have all the things that you've been looking for. And the truth is, that is a mirage. That person will never give you those things. The only person that can give you that joy and peace and hope and is God. And if you're not careful, you'll begin to say this, man, I, I just want them to like me. I just want my, well, that, that significant other or this person, I just want them to approve of me. Please don't ever leave me. Don't ever forsake me. And what you begin to see is now that they're in the place of God, it's a form of idolatry. And God doesn't bless the idolatry. And all of a sudden, God has been replaced with a person who cannot complete you, that cannot fill you, cannot give you the very desires you have in your heart. Let me say it like this. Maybe the reason you're struggling with your true love is because you've lost your first love. Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. You've abandoned it. God, I'm in love with you. You're my first. And then Prince Charming walks in. God, you're important, but you're not first. Your princess, your queen walks in. God, you're important, but you're not first. And, and what has happened is when we abandon our first love, God, the one who should be primary, that's where we begin to get into problems. And that's what we see with Adam and Eve. When you look at the story God spoke to them both and said, don't eat of this tree. You need of anything, but not this. And we know the devil, in the form of a serpent, comes in, tempts Eve. Eve takes a bite of the fruit and then offers the fruit to her husband. And from there, sin filled this earth. We lost dominion. Adam lost dominion of what God created, which is why Jesus came back and had to beat the devil and take the keys back. But look at what happens here. See, Adam lost the primary focus of God and began to care more about what his wife thought than doing what God said. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate it. So what do we see? 
we see they now allowed another voice in the middle of their relationship. They were not just focused on God. Now they allowed the enemy to come in. They got disconnected, which is what we see the result of this whole series of events. They got disconnected from God. And anytime you get disconnected from God as your primary, confusion sets in. You ever been talking to somebody and it breaks up and you don't get the full story? Like, I, I was talking to my son. It literally just happened this week and he was at work and he calls and I'm like, hey, okay, hey, Caden. And he's like, hey, Dad. I got Hunt. Hey, I can't hear you. Tonight. Car. Caden, Caden, Caden. Hey, man, I can't hear you. Hey, bub. Outside. And the phone got disconnected, and I, I kid you not, I'm like, what in the world? Okay, outside, hunt, tonight, what, car, where? I go to Phyllis, I'm like, hey, baby, I'm confused. What, what? I, Caden tried to call, but we got disconnected. And my question is, how many of us, we, we, we we're listening to God, and then all of a sudden, we put that person in front, we allow God. The, the, the relationship with God to dissipate and the enemy comes in because he always comes in at the opportune time and he wants to cast doubt in a relationship. And here's how some of the conversations will begin to go when you know you've lost connection with God is, hey, did you marry the right person? Are you sure they're the right one? Do they really care for you? Do they really love you? This person, are you sure that they are all in, like, are, and, and these doubts, and then what will happen is, well, I don't know if they're all in. Do they really love me? Do they really care about me? Are they all in? And so instead of filling the gap with trust, we begin to fill the gap now with suspicion because we got disconnected from the source, which was God. And the enemy's voice begins to deceive us. And here's what I want to encourage you. We've got to stay connected to God's voice. We've got to put him first. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, look at what it says. But seek first, what, his kingdom, his righteousness, and then all of these other things will be added unto you. So you want to have a healthy marriage, you got to put God first above your spouse. I know they may not be happy at moments. I know it may not always go well. I know it may cause a little bit of friction, but the reality is you you got to fight for the connection to God. That's not the advice that was given by an elderly couple that I heard about. This couple had been married for 60 years and never had an argument or a crossword and they went to a church function and someone was asking them the secret to their success. And so the man began to talk about how he always treated his wife with respect. He always uh, preferred her and they traveled the world together and had great experiences. And he said, in fact, in our 25th wedding anniversary, what we did was we actually took a trip to Beijing, China. And the, the group just kind of applauded, said, wow, that, that is absolutely amazing. Someone spoke up and said, well, what did you do on your 50th wedding anniversary? And the man said, well, I went back and picked her up. <laughs> Don't do that. Just put God first. 
It's amazing. There was a Harvard student. <laughs> Someone's like, hey, that's a good idea. We're going to Beijing. <laughs> I know it's stupid. I know. <laughs> Harvard study revealed that Here's what's fascinating, not even a Christian study, not a Christian study, that only one out of 1,246 couples will get a divorce if they do three simple things on a regular basis. Think about it. Only one out of 1,246 couples will divorce if you do these three simple things. So that's why I say we got to go back to the basics. What I'm going to share with you is not profound, but it's not easy. I was thinking about the Super Bowl tonight. I don't know about y'all. Uh, who's going to have a Super Bowl party tonight? Some of you are like, I didn't even know there was a Super Bowl. And that's okay. We love you. We ain't mad at you. It's okay. Just don't tell nobody. And uh, I was thinking about the Eagles and Chiefs. I'm going for the Chiefs, and I know you're mad at me. Uh, don't, don't say it out loud. Don't boo my Chiefs. <laughs> I like underdog stories. And I, I just thought this, you know, the reason they're in the Super Bowl is because they were really good at doing the basics. We call them the fundamentals. So in other words, no matter how many trick plays you can play, no matter how many things you want to add to the plays and the breadth of what you can do, your skills, if you don't have the fundamentals right, you'll never make it to a championship. That's a fact. And I think we come to church and we're like, I want something deep, 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 deep. Go deep, pastor. And I think we can. Go back and listen to my message on uh, breaking free from the prison of unforgiveness. That's deep. That was on a Wednesday night. That'll hit you where, I mean, it'll get you. But I also think we got to go back to the fundamentals. We got to go back to just the basics. If we think that as a church we know the basics and the society does, we're wrong. So I'm just more committed to having biblical clarity and what it takes to live a Christian life that has healthy marriages and healthy families. And here's the first one. It's not revelatory, but it's powerful. Here it is. Pray together. Think about this. Harvard is the one that's telling us to do this. Just pray together. Look at James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, I know we talk about small groups, but isn't it a shame for us to do it in small groups and not do it in our marriage? You see how, oh, that's awesome, that's deep, that's Go out to the small group, but we're missing the fundamentals. So you went to a small group, but your marriage is falling apart. Look at Matthew 18, 19, and 20. Again, I say to you, if... Two of you agree on earth about anything they say, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am among them. You know the power? I, I, I pray this scripture all the time. And Phyllis and I, even corporate prayer, I'll have her, we'll walk down and pray in and, and our family. We'll, we'll do times where my kids, we all just circle up and we'll pray. And what I love about this is you would think I got to be in a group for God to really move. And what he's saying is if you're married, you have an advantage. Why? Because I ain't got to go find somebody else. I'm living with that somebody. And think about this. If when the enemy starts to attack, you would begin to pray, what a difference that would make. Have you ever been in an argument or a passionate conversation or maybe you felt frustrated and prayed in that moment with, you know, your spouse and Phyllis and I, and, you know, I've always said I'll be very candid. We, we've had some passionate conversations, and I think she's part Italian or something. I mean, I don't know, but. 
And there's been moments where her and I have been very frustrated, and she said, hey, we ought to just pray. And I'm like, oh, no. No, no, you don't get to do that right now. No, 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 no. I'm going to say what I got to say because I don't know. I, I think, I, well, I'm going to say it. And she's like, pray. And the moments we have, we hadn't always done it. There have been moments where I've failed. But the moments we begin to pray and just say, God, we ask you. Because here, try to stay mad at somebody you pray for. You want to know if you forgave somebody? Pray for them. Bless them. Oh, I'm not blessing. They don't deserve it. Wait, there's still something in your heart. Here with Father, just change this woman. She is clearly, <laughs> clearly wrong. And then the Holy Spirit begins to flash in my heart and in my mind all the things I've said and done. And I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Why? Because you've invited God into the moment. And what praying for each other does, this is the power of it. You don't have to wait till you get in a fight. Just do it every day. Find a time in the morning before you get the kids up. Maybe it's in the evening before you go to bed. What are you doing? You're just saying, I am going to make this a part of who we are. It's the foundation. It's the DNA of our marriage. Here's a stat that I found it was unbelievable. Look, look at this stat again. While 50% of marriages, and I'll say it, they don't have it. I'll say it. 50% of marriages end in divorce. 78% of second marriages end in divorce. Less than 1% of couples who pray together daily end their marriage. 1%. Less than. We've got to go back to the basics. Second thing is we've got to discuss the Bible daily. Again, this is a secular study. How do you want to be someone that doesn't show up as a statistic? You've got to discuss the Bible. Now, if you could read it together every day, that's awesome. But if you can't read it together, at least talk about it. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 7. Look at what it says. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. So in other words, God's word needs to be upon our hearts. Impress them on your children. It didn't say use them against your children. Come on, somebody. I know people got scripture for every bad thing I've ever done. Not my mom, but you know, we don't use it. We impress it upon them. How do you impress them? Because they see it in your life. It's like, wow, mom and dad really live this. They really believe this. Then look what it says. Talk about them. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Do you notice that most of those situations are in the home? So read a devotional and then come back together and say, hey, what did you get out of the devotional? Now, and don't do this. This doesn't work. Hey, it was so good. I, I actually think he was talking about you. You know the other day when you did this and it just... Clearly, like it rev, deep rev. Do you see the rev that I see? Because it's clear. <laughs> no, 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 introspective. God, work on me. Work on me. Work on me. Maybe you commute together just on your ride. You know, Phyllis and I have done this. She'll read to me. You know, it's like just read it, and then let's talk about what we just read. What's the point? We're going to talk about the word of God. We're going to make it a part of our daily routine. Here's the third thing. Now, again, nothing, nothing profound, but powerful. Look, it says, attend church together. Sounds so simple, but I need you to know it's so powerful. 
Look, look at another research that was done. This was done by Harvard School of Public Health. Revealed that regularly attending church services together reduces a couple's risk of divorce by a remarkable 47%. Here's how I would say it. Even if you didn't have the discipline to pray together, even if it was struggled to talk about it, if you just show up, what do you mean? That means Sundays are a priority. And I love the online fam. You guys, it's great. But online is not a substitute for showing up. How many ever watch church online? It's like my kids are going off, things happen. But you, sh so, so what am I saying? You want to fight for your marriage? Just show up when? Week after week after week after week. What are you doing? You're, you're showing up and fighting for your marriage. And, and I get it. Listen, you say, well, pastor, I'd have showed up today, but you should have heard our fight on the way here. Anybody ever, anybody ever had those moments? Isn't it funny that you never got in a fight on the way to the club? I never had. It was like, whoop, 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 whoop. Right? Going to the football games. And I wonder if that it wouldn't be an indication of us saying, well, wow, there is a real demonic attack that we would not be image bearers building a healthy marriage and a healthy family because there's something to this church thing. And here's what I want you to know. You're in a church. We don't care about your fight. We don't care about what just happened. In fact, you can look mad and angry all day long. You just walk in. We'll have a seat for you. You can sit by each other. You cannot sit by each other. We don't even care. Just show up. And you know what we're going to say? They're fighting for their marriage. They're doing what God said. They're here in the house of God. And have you ever been in a fight with your spouse? And I mean, not that anybody ever has, but I'm going to just say there's been moments where we stood there together and I'm like, God, I'm going to kill her. And, uh, <laughs> but isn't it amazing how that first song, when it goes off, you just sit there and just, God, I want to worship. I want to do it. I want to do it. Okay, I'll do it just a little bit. Father, I want to do it. And then by the end of the worship set, you've leaned over and said, I'm really sorry. I apologize. What I said or did wasn't right. Why? Because you were in the presence of God with God's people, just fighting for your marriage. Just show up. That's what Jesus, he has a pattern of it. Luke 4, 16, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Just make it a part of your life. We go to church. I don't even care if you're late. Work on getting on time. But sometimes you just got to show up late. Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. There's nothing more powerful. Here's what I would challenge you. Want to fight for your marriage? Be a show up couple this year. Show up. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Just back to the basics, God. Things that seem very simple, and they are, very clear, and they are, very foundational, and they are. But God, I recognize the husband and wife right now that when you pray together, it's weird. It's, it's not weird, but it feels awkward. It's like, what do I say? I don't, I don't know. But God, I'm asking, would you give us the ability? I'm asking for men, God. Would you give men? Us, the ability to lead our family, not, not rely on our wife to be the spiritual one. But that we would fight for our families.